Welcome to the brand new Phone Booth Fighting Podcast. My name is Richard Hunter, joined now by my co-host, UFC heavyweight, former two-time champion, Frank Mir is here. We are on location. His training partner, James Horn, is here as well. Ricky Lundell, our third co-host, and Frank's head coach, not with us. Uh, Ricky is coaching a fighter at Tough Enough. He's cheating on you, Frank. Uh, hopefully, your relationship is uh, such. No, it's one of those situations when the more he gets around, okay, the better he is. You know? oh, as long gotcha. as I'm secure with myself, I see. The more action he gets, I, you know. yeah, okay, that's a very homoerotic answer. Uh, so, uh, uh, Ricky is uh, cornering somebody. Now we're on location. Let me kind of explain where we are and what we're doing. So we're at uh, Hofbrau, which is just catty corner to the Hard Rock Casino. I, I walked in and I. Saw on the marquee, Frank, that you were going to be uh, tapping a keg. Have you yep. already tapped the keg? I have already tapped the keg. They okay. went ahead and uh, that's the new uh, uh, the beer that they're bringing in. It's coming in season. They uh -huh. bring in, and what they do is they have a ceremony as far as opening it up, and uh -huh. they bring somebody out, you know, so that way it brings people down. And uh, and you go out there, you hit a little hammer, and oh. you you uh, put the uh, the uh, I don't know what the term is. I know I use the mallet to yeah. the, uh, the pour basically. Okay, you slam it into the keg and. Share the uh, and get the first pour. So it's like when the Queen of England breaks a bottle over a ship to christen. Yeah, I mean, uh, probably right there on that same equivalence <laughs> uh, too. I could really see that the same uh, importance yeah. it takes in our society. Okay, I understand. Very good. So that's that's actually what we're uh, we're out doing, and uh, we're, we're we're actually recording the segment here, standing in the gift shop of Hofbrau. And uh, because we're martial artists, we improvise. That's right. We do. We, we don't do. Find failure. We just find uh, ways to keep succeeding. That's right. We find a way. And uh, and. And, you know, Frank is kind of the unofficial mayor of the Hofbrau here. I've been <laughs> I've been here twice uh, with you. Well, the last time, I guess, was was uh, it was uh, where was it? it was at your victory party right after Todd Duffy. Yeah, we yeah, came down here. here yes. Yeah. My wife, yeah. well, my wife's grandmother was born in Salzburg, you know, lived through the war. Oh, and okay. then relocated to Canada. Yeah. Uh, and then came to the U.S. And her father is uh, her grandfather was a military yeah. personnel, you know, uh, U.S. Army in uh, retiring at E9. Yeah. Uh, quartermaster, uh, first sergeant, I believe I'm probably messing up. I know he was an E9, uh -huh. one level from up. So that's how they met. So uh, my wife has a lot of heritage from the Austrian side, her grandmother, and you know, her mother's fluent in German. And so uh, very much, in, you know, this is one of her favorite foods. And, and because of obviously, you know, uh, I can see that my weight needs to get improved upon, that we, uh, you know, James is actually part of it too. We're going to go ahead and start you know, being stricter on our diet. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I figured out how do I want to go out with a blast, and so okay, schnitzel and beer yeah, was like okay. was my last big meal before the hard dieting starts. I'm, I'm glad you finished the thought because I was about to say Frank beer and German food is not uh, no, it's I not. See, it's a great thing tomorrow. that I like a lot. I understand? Okay. And uh, once I get my weight yes. back down to a manageable where I actually look more of. Uh, uh, presentable and can move a little better on my feet. It's not a hindrance, which I've kind of let it get away with. It, you yeah. know, it, you know, everybody need to improve. And I think I got so obsessed with the technical side of fighting and and you know and seeing my uh, effectiveness that you know that sometimes I forget that you know that's also a part of it is nutrition. And I'm like, oh, as long as I'm eating healthy, you know, eating enough yeah. calories for my workouts, I should be fine. But and you know, I can't lie. I look at myself and I'm fat. And so I'm like, man, you know, I need to improve upon that. So then the wife's like, hey, you had a hard two back-to-back -back camps. You've been training since 
the end of you know middle of May. Yeah. You know, at first, of course, me being the guy that I am, I got James pulled over at the after fight. You know, the get together we had. You know, I don't have an after fight party, but after the fight with Orlovsky, with the decision, I wasn't very happy about. But still, I looked at what I could have done better. My mobility wasn't as great as it could be because of the excess weight I'm carrying. And so I'm sitting there going, "Oh, Monday morning, we're going to start up." You know, James and my wife are very close. It's like her little brother. Mm -hmm. It was like the you know. <laughs> It's like my younger brother, but it's also her younger brother. It's funny. He's yeah. a split of both of us. But he's looking at me like, like, well, yeah, I'll be there with you, but why don't we go ahead and do this the right way and put the, you know, the uh, instead of putting the wagon in front of the horse, let's line this up properly, you know? Mm -hmm. And so uh, let's uh, take two weeks off. And, uh, you know, on that Monday, we'll, you know, he's coming over the house with the scale. We're all going to weigh ourselves and start, you know, on the process of getting ready to, you know, get our weight to look more athletic and, and be more of a, and, and I think what I got confused with, and not confused, but self-admittedly my issue, is I see guys that look phenomenal in the gym, bodybuilder-like builds, but then I roll with them or I spar with them and they gas in two or three minutes. So I've started to equate that, well, yeah, you're ripped and shredded, but you look the part, but you're not the part. And then you see guys out there that are great athletes, you know, I mean, Roy Nelson is a good athlete. Yeah. Um, but I need to also come into the mindset of like, you know, you see football players out there, you know, I was hanging out with uh, uh, Arthur Jones, you know, over the summer. John we, Jones's brother yeah, plays John in Jones's, the NFL. Uh, yeah, big brother. Mm -hmm. And so before I started the camp, we're out in, uh, in Cuba together and, you know, we messed around. I could see him run, you know, you know, guys being guys, grabbing on things, picking things up, running. He's a great athlete. But I mean, if he takes his shirt off, I've always so I've always equated athletic build with youth. Like, yeah. Well, either you're young or you starve yourself, or you take a bunch. If you're in your 40s and you're shredded, I guess I just kind of, I had the cop out that's like, well, you're on stuff. Mm -hmm. That's why you mm -hmm. look that way. And that's not true, man. I mean, you can have a good physique, and it just, it just takes discipline and dieting. You know, I tell people, mm -hmm. actually, that aspect of the world I respect when, you know, you see fitness models yeah. and, and bodybuilders. I'm like, look, man, I train, you know, two or three times a day, Listen. but there's nothing I could do at night to really, unless I go out and party and do, yeah. you know, hardcore drugs i'm not going to take away that training session where you see these guys that diet really hard they can diet for 23 hours and 45 minutes a day and if for 15 minutes they decide to go nuts they ruin everything they did so i have a lot of respect for it you know? look, look at me i mean i'm at the pool and girls are like that is not natural and i'm like actually yes it is it's just uh you know what it's discipline so right, that's right well i was gonna say frank i'm a, I'm a good person to, i'm a good influence on you at this point in your endeavor then because i don't drink and i'm an organic vegan so i'm a i'm a, a respectable person to be hanging around for for this uh okay so so let me uh let me just explain this when you get a word with james here too that uh as far as what's going on with the podcast so uh frank was away in brazil along with ricky lundell this past week and we're gonna find out about what all was going on with them but while you were away frank i was i was busy i was busy doing encoding which is something uh in the computer world is important if you want your podcast heard right so we got the podcast up and running and let me just say one Facebook post and 24 hours later and a listing on iTunes, this thing is going through the roof. The, the subscriber numbers are astronomical and they're your fans. Now this is important to point out. These are not just random subscribers. If you look at the comments, it's everybody saying, oh Frank, I've waited so long for you to do a podcast. I can't believe you're doing a podcast. I'm gonna listen to it at the gym. So one thing what I'm saying is the pressure's on. And the second thing that I'm saying is thank you to everybody, all your fans out there that are subscribing, because they are really coming out supporting this thing. Well, you know, and a lot of it actually comes from James, my wife, Ricky, because honestly, I've had people come up to me and ask me, you know, do a book, yeah. to do things like this in the past. And I'm always hesitant to do so because I'm like, 
guys, I'm not in a position to tell anybody else how to do it. I'm still trying to figure it out for myself. And it seems like the more I keep learning the world of martial arts, the more I learn about psychology and the more about myself, <laughs> the less I feel like I know about the world. Yeah. So, like, it's funny. Ten years ago, I was way more confident in my knowledge of martial arts than I am now. And I am nowhere near. I mean, I am head and shoulders above anything I could have even imagined of my abilities 10 years ago. Yeah. And so uh, I think sometimes it's held me back. But then I realized, you know, people around me that love and care for me go, hey, man, no one expects you to be the master to know everything. Why don't you just convey your thoughts, tell people what you're thinking about, what's your opinion on things. Obviously, things change and mold, and you'll change your opinion in the future as knowledge comes through. Like, it's funny. I always think that when I hear people uh, on a side note politically, yeah. they go, oh, he's a flip-flopper. I'm like, that's a bad thing? Wait a minute. So you mean this person had an opinion when they were 30, and there was new information came into their being, and they read something, saw something, or it worked out in their own life through personal experience, and they figured out that they have a different thought on it, that they changed their opinion on something and went, well, no, actually I realized I was wrong, and this is the way I should probably do things, that that's a bad thing? Yeah, They're like, oh, no, no, that guy changed his mind. Like, so it would be rather to continue going on the path of ignorance and, and, and being a, a dummy yeah. than to sit there and go, hey, guys, you know how I said that pulling guard was a good idea? I don't think it's such a good idea anymore, and here's why. Yeah. That's called evolution, and uh, it's no accident that those are the same people who are uncomfortable with the literal interpretation of evolution <laughs> as well. So, so that's what we're doing with the podcast, and this is a good opportunity to thank our first couple of sponsors. First of all, Trent Cotney at TrentCotney.com, who, uh, Frank, was with you for your last yes, training yeah, camp. Yes, trail breaking. That's one thing yep. I really like about the Trent Cotney because, you know, James and I, you know, we're talking about it. Uh, when the sponsorships first came out, James and I both – just because James is a hard worker, you know, and has made ends meet, you know, in Vegas, earned his black belt, trained hard, you know, lives a good life, figuring out way, you know, uh, mm -hmm. through working, you know, uh, as a host and security, worked his way up to supervisor. So always looking not to look for excuses for why things shouldn't work. Yeah. Well, here, example here. Say hi to everybody, James. Yes, hello, James. Here. James is uh, James Horn is uh, Frank uh, Frank uh, uh, Mears' main training partner. And uh, if you watch the embedded episodes and stuff Our like only that, only black belt I've ever given a black. If you watch the embedded episodes, he's the other big guy. It's yes. like there's, there's the bigger guy. Yeah, there's twin towers, and and he's With the, the ink on his back that I actually you know kind of. I bit off his style. That's him, James. Yeah. Yeah, the tattoo first. Hey, everybody, how you doing? So, so the, uh, Trent has been very supportive, and then also yes, Trent has yeah. been very supportive. Yeah. And one thing I liked about that was, again, what I was alluding to as far as James's mentality, and yeah. by the reason why we're so close. I hate when people always look at excuses for why things. Well, why are you late to work? Well, traffic and this and that. I'm like, hey, that does happen. Yeah. I'm saying it doesn't, but you have those individuals, and we all know who they are that always point to why things don't work and it's everybody else's fault but their own. Yeah, why things can't work. Right. Yeah. And so James is somebody that, you know, when I first started training with him in Vegas, he was 19 years old, came out here. We trained him. He trained at Mark Lehman's. He trained hours on the mat with Lehman, myself, with Glover, you know, and he trains with Ricky now. Earned himself a black belt. We were getting ready for his first MMA fight. And because of an accident he had in his teens where it dislocated his hips, the guy has fused lower back. He has issues. A lot of other guys would have just hung it up and said, you know what, I can't train because it mm -hmm. does hurt but here's a guy who goes well i can't compete at that level because i'm not going to have everybody put me on a board marquee mm -hmm. buy sell tickets to it and i'm going to promise to be there when i have a pretty severe 
injury that could at any moment flare up and keep me from competing. But I can still teach. I can still train. I can still yeah. roll. I can still be a partner. And so he's still very deadly on the mat. Just depends on if he has a bad day, pulls his back, we're going to have issues. So instead of looking at the woe is me and just saying, screw it, this isn't my world anymore, he looked at like, okay, here's what's in front of me realistically. I'm not going to be a, one of those guys who go, well, I don't care if you cut my arms off. I can still cut everybody up. It's like, well, no. You still got to be realistic about what you can do. And, and so that's one thing I think with the uh, sponsorships. When everybody first came out there and said Reebok's taking over and mm -hmm. we can't wear I mean, yeah, I'm upset. I lost money. I lost money like everybody else. Um, it was a nice paycheck to throw a sponsor on my shorts. And I'm wearing shorts anyways. I'm going to walk out there. Oh, you want to you know, use me as a walking billboard and you're going to give me some money afterwards? Phenomenal. Yeah. When it got the kibosh got put on it and the UFC says no, Guess what, man? It's it's their world. They run the you know. I mean, mm -hmm. they pay for the cameras. They pay for the site. It is what it is. You know, I can have whatever opinions I want on it. It doesn't change reality. I can sit here and bellyache and bemoan, you know, and moan about it all I want. It's not putting food on the table for my kids. So instead, I look at it like, well, how can I change this and take advantage of it? Yeah. And you yourself actually came forward and said, hey, we can do this. And I start saying like, hey, free money's gone. I'm sorry, it sucks. Yeah. I wish I still had it too, but. Now I have to take advantage of my social media, take advantage of other areas. Do the and podcast. And in turn, the yep. podcast yeah. we're doing right now, in turn, though, you had to have sponsors like a Trent Cotney, mm -hmm. the, you know, Real Water. Yes, you know, I was about to mention them, who's our other sponsor. Uh, drink Real Water and check them out. Come out at there a, and realize what we can do for them. Yeah. But not necessarily, I can't put Real Water on my shorts walking out to the octagon, mm -hmm. but all the way up to the point and through my media and through other endeavors, you posting things with yeah. social media going through. We're able to still do things and they can benefit from. Does it take a lot more work? Yeah. Do I have to split my money now with other people? Yeah. Is it less? So far it is. But guess what? It is what it is. And instead of crying about it, just get up on your feet and make it work some other way. No, it's absolutely true. And to, to look at the positive side of that, there's a lot of sponsors like Trent Cotney, like Real Water, who may have in the past had a patch on a fighter's shorts, but because they can't be a part of the actual fight night, are now more eager to be a part oh, yeah. of things like this podcast. And so that's why uh, they're joining in and supporting us. And, you know, and, and, and I, I do what I can to make it uh, easy. Case in point, you know, we, we're going to piece this thing together week to week week however we have to to the point that uh, I just show up with a mobile recorder and if Frank's in the middle of having dinner with his family I'm like oh here's a microphone let's start yeah, no, taping and that's what we're doing shop making it work right <laughs> yeah I pull James but, over here yeah. it's like hey James come hang out with us so gonna so what we're gonna do and 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 this is you know kind of along the lines of, of introducing you to uh, to to a guy a supporting cast member like James Horn here is we're gonna introduce you to uh, team Frank Mir. We're going to introduce you to all the people who are both in front of the cameras and then oftentimes behind it. So everybody knows uh, the name Frank Mir if you're a mixed martial arts fan. A lot of people know the name Ricky Lundell. They know uh, Ricky is Frank's head coach and coach to other fighters like Travis Brown and, uh, and, uh, uh, and Carlos Condit. Uh, nobody knows me, but they will. We're going to force me on them because uh, i got to put the podcast together. And they're going to get to know you, James, as well, as well as guys like Todd Price and uh, other, other folks who join us. So what we're going to do uh, on a week-to-week -week basis, we're going to bring you some of Frank. We're going to bring you some of Ricky. There will be segments, for example, later on in the show, we're going to talk. I'm going to talk to Frankie Edgar. And also uh, just went off and had lunch with Paige Van Zant yesterday. I don't know what you did for lunch yesterday, James, but I had lunch with Paige Van Zant and I recorded it. It wasn't as good as that. Nothing like that. that. No. Okay. 
So well, and the one thing too, like I love about bringing in Todd's yeah. praise and bringing in James Horn is I know that all fans are going to feel to a certain point, and there is truth behind that. That if a topic comes up that's a hot, heated topic about UFC or Bellator, there are times. I mean, come on, anybody who has to have someone else sign their check, there are times where you're going to have to bow out of that conversation. It's mm-hmm. like. You know what? My opinion is not going to matter either way because if I say something positive, you're mm-hmm. not going to believe me. You're going to call me a homer. If I say something negative, <laughs> I don't want to get that phone call. Uh. Be like, hey, uh, why did you say that? <laughs> and, I, and I love it when I see fans sit there and they see other fighters and they go, I like it, that guy. He tells it how it is. I'm like, yeah, that guy, um, you know what? Uh, if I was his father, I would tell him he was an idiot because mm-hmm. he has kids or he has a wife. And, you know, how many people mm-hmm. right now are going to walk to work? take that drive and tell their boss to stuff it where the sun don't sign and tell them how they really feel it's mm-hmm. like ooh, that's not so great you know and then but i have someone like james who is very candid and when he gives an opinion i could be there and go hey guys none of these people including myself sign his paycheck <laughs> he can say what he wants about me i mean that's one of i keep james around that is there's times i mean a lot of yes. people around me be like hey frank you're looking great and i have james come around me like Dude, you are way puffy in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're bending at your waist and you're shooting your shots. It doesn't look that good. Frank just, uh, in a very nice way, explained that you're the fall guy in this group. Yeah, I mean. Well, not the fall guy, the truth speaker, because. I'm teasing him. Well, I mean, again, I, mean, I guess you could look at it that way, yeah. but honestly, James doesn't have to answer anybody. Yeah. No matter what, no, I'm true. under contracted athlete by the UFC. Yeah. Just resigned again for another eight fights. Well. You Here's know, some breaking news. I didn't know about yeah, this. Well, you know, obviously not going to let me go anytime soon. You know, I'm still producing knockouts and. Well, congratulations! You know. Oh, thank you. When did this happen? Uh, just the other day before I took off to well, Brazil. Well, great news. Yeah. We're breaking some news. See, yeah. that's one thing we're going to do. See, you, this is something I think you're really going to come to appreciate about the podcast, Frank. Being in your position is at because as the athlete, as the person who is usually the subject of the interview, you've got to rely on the journalists to ask the questions you hope they ask or to help you get across the point of view you want to get across. And that doesn't always happen with this. This is your platform. Yeah, so you can absolutely. just, you know, you can take as long as you want to say as much as you want about anything that you want to. And it's and at also. At the end, I could be like, hey, uh, Rich, you know, like you know, I said that. Probably a couple should beers into yeah. Opera house. <laughs> can we cut that part out? Yeah. So. yeah. But but also, and I want to point this out, this is a great place to break news. And and I think that you need to think in terms of that. You know, for example, announcing that you got a new eight fight deal with the UFC. Do it on your podcast. You know, make yeah, you make the absolutely. news yourself. So there's some, uh, some news. Now, I also want to ask you about. About uh, what you and Ricky were doing down in Brazil, because you've been down there like the last ten days. You just got back, yeah. and this is something that's going to be chronicled on UFC's Fight Pass, right? They are the, uh, the you UFC do? down there. The uh, uh, another company came out and it wants to put together basically their version of the fight science. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they had different fighters down there. I'm not going to piss and make them angry by announcing who I saw there and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I was down there, and they gave me different obstacles and different measures of, you know, punching power, submission power, overall anaerobic ability. I even competed against a, uh, a world strongman, so they could see how hard he could hit, even though he outweighed me by over 100 pounds mm. compared to how hard I hit. You know, and measured it out, and they had laptops and gear that. I couldn't even begin to understand how it was working. You know, some of the microchips they were putting in my gloves, they said were 70 grand a piece, you know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it was super interesting. We went down there. And, and honestly, it's probably needed to be there for three or four days. But when the announcement first came up, you know, again, going back to what I said earlier, back-to-back camps, the wife and I, I kind of told her, like, hey, why don't you come with me to South America? You know, we're going to go to Brazil. She's never been there. She's always been more of a Europe kind of girl. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could check out what, you know, Brazil's like. We'll spend an extra couple days there. 
go check it out, walk around. You can, you know, have a good time. So we kind of made it a uh, business vacation type of situation, and uh, you know, it, it turned out great. You know, she, uh, you know, San Paulo has some phenomenal food, mm -hmm. uh, some of the best Italian food. It's weird, I've, and I've been to Milan, Italy, mm -hmm. and their Italian restaurants I went to in in San Paulo are comparable. You know, mm -hmm. right there, you know, punch for punch. And so, uh, you know, in the shopping, which my wife spoiled. Look, she lives here in Vegas. Some of the best shopping in the world. Plus, she has access to a computer. So, a computer and a credit card goes along. That's trouble. Oh, man. Tell me about it. That's why, you know, there was a unit That's why Frank just signed a new eight-fight deal. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. They're going to have to start a new league for me. <laughs> But, uh, you know, we walked around and got to see it and the people, you know, and she got to see the, you know, the Brazilians are very hospitable. And, yeah. you know, I know some people get some people in the U.S. have had some friends get the wrong impression of Brazilians because, yes, they're very nationalistic. You know, you know, their, their whole statement they had, because I remember, you know, my wife called me up after she says, when you were weighing in, what were they saying? I'm like, oh, they were telling all the Americans that you're going to die. Yeah, she says, I yeah. saw a little kid chanting that. I'm all. Eh, it's their culture. So she yeah. kind of had a bad impression at first, but then when I brought her down there, I'm like, Brazilians, you know, I had one friend down there, Diego Liao, who, uh, you know, runs a gym. The guy drove two hours from Moji Cruces to bring me his hamburgers for me and the rest of the group. We brought four hamburgers that were, you know, $15, $20 hamburgers a piece. Mm -hmm. Drove to two hours to hang out for 15 minutes. And then when I tried to pass the guy some money for, you know, the transaction, you know, got extremely insulted oh yeah that i would even yeah. dare to do so yeah and so uh, she got to see that like wow you know brazilians in certain aspects too will take the shirt off their back and sit there and hey yeah. take it you know so you know i'm glad she got to see the culture for what it is yeah that is that is an awesome trip sounds like you had and uh that's going to be they'll be airing the stuff on fight passes they are they're going to yeah. take it to fight pass yeah. and uh there's they have about five or six fighters there they're filming for eight days and mm -hmm. ricky and i were there so each fighter brings a coach and to be able to evaluate the training and they put different fighters through different uh uh, uh obstacles basically yeah. to test them out like i said i punched a bag they get to see how many kilos that i hit with which put it this way i smashed everybody no one on the show even hit half as hard nope. as i can spoiler hit. alert yeah, little, spoiler alert uh, james you know, they gave me a uh, a dummy and apparatus that already some of the other fighters had yeah. tried to stretch and roll on mm -hmm. and um uh the dummy was still there um put it this way they're gonna buy it they had to buy a new one before anybody else can use one uh, so so not to uh just just to recap the uh the little bit of breaking news here because i actually was not aware that i hadn't seen you in like 10 days yeah. uh you've been out of country so yeah, verizon doesn't work great no. i'm gonna tell you right now no so so the so the deal is you've just re-upped with the ufc i did they pulled and, me in there i got that conversation with lorenzo an eight fight deal yeah they, i walked in the office sat down there you know malky wayne you know yeah. uh, lorenzo uh, your agent malky uh, yeah. yep uh, um, and so um so i mean because that's uh, basically Craig was sorry you know so we sat yeah. down we discussed and the first like, how are you feeling you know i'm like oh, i feel great you know like well you know what do you want to do i'm like i would like a rematch with mm -hmm. andre alaska you know nothing against him i think he's still a great guy yeah a lot of respect for him i think that uh i could have fought better mm -hmm. i let my weight kind of get away because of certain things that were going on with usada and the battle they're having with the bad athletic commission you weren't allowed to take the uh the adderall for your right well adhd and i tell people that that wouldn't have been a problem if i'd have been notified early enough because i mean i've had agd i was diagnosed when i was eight years old uh -huh. so it's just something that i never felt was anybody's business and if i'm not taking it in a fight who cares what i take in the off season it's prescribed by a doctor and this yeah. is and so when usada stepped on board i was like hey by the way i take this and they're like well why don't you just get a, you know we'll 
send your, 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 your trials and all the paperwork. And I sent them a 26-page report, not only from a general practitioner, but to the specialized psychologist that I go to, all the different TOVA tests that I took you know, to, to formulate that, hey, that this is medication I need in my day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. Just the same situation someone has asthma. Mm -hmm. You're not going to tell some kid that has asthma that you can't take your asthma inhaler anymore. Yeah. Um, and so... Uh, going into the fight in, the, in my previous fights mm. in my career because he lost his place for a second there James yeah. that was the ADHD kicking in that's I saw well, it I just saw it with so, my own uh, eyes in previous bouts because I've that's had exactly 26 right. of them in my career yeah. I just don't take medication close to my fight I wean myself off I'm like oh, okay I got three weeks before the fight mm -hmm. I'm going to only take now half a, you know half of my medication for a week and then you know for two weeks out then I can run myself down and then you know uh, that way it comes off slowly because it's not a drug that you just want to stop cold turkey taking yeah my doctor and my psychologist were actually irate this last fight how it worked out well because now this new thing with USADA coming in I did everything with USADA that they asked me to do and and I have no ill will towards them whatsoever they uh, said hey submit all your paperwork but then I come to find out because they did give me the fight on short notice I don't think they announced the fight to five or five or four weeks before the bout actually occurred um, there wasn't enough time for the Nevada Athletic Commission to overlook my uh, medication. But they didn't tell me that until the Monday before the fight. So here I'm taking the full dose of my medication leading up. And all of a sudden, Monday I go in, I'm doing stuff, you know, at the check-in, and I get pulled to the side going, hey, USADA approved it. Nevada's not even going to look at it. Yeah. It's not even something they're going to take the time for. I'm like, oh, this wasn't already being taken care of. I was confused. Mm -hmm. And like, nah. There's so it throws your balance off. Right. It can affect your weight. Well, no, put it, it this way. I weighed about 261, 262, yeah. dropping the medication because there is an initial rebound because it slides like a natural diuretic. I ended up weighing almost 278 the morning I woke up at the fight. Yeah. We're outside. I've never had to do that before where I was at the weigh-ins, literally outside the back of uh, MGM Grand, running up and down to try to drop to make sure I made the 266 because of the, the rebound effect it had on my body. And I think that weighed a little bit into the fight. You know, yeah. and, and so that's why, again, Orlaski I thought, thought a great fight, but I had a couple shortcomings that because of the new things going on, you know, didn't really bode in my uh, favor. And so leading up to a next match, as long as I know ahead of time what's going on, mm -hmm. either they're going to allow me to take my medication leading all the way up to the fight. I'm good with that. If they say, hey, we're going to, you know, take you off the medication. Fine. I know that. Then I know the three weeks out, the same thing I've done my whole life i know how to cycle down and make yeah. sure that when i go in there and i do my contest urination uh your analysis that um i will not have anything in my system because those are the rules and i as a father and a husband and as a law-abiding citizen i follow the rules i want to be able to teach my children that characteristic that's like whether you agree with them or not or how you feel about mm -hmm. it the rules are the rules you know if you don't like them join politics and try to change something but you know what, if you want to play ball, play by the rules. So the table is set. Uh, if uh, all parties would be agreeable to a rematch with Andre Orlovsky, it sounds like that's what, uh, Frank, you would like to see. Yeah, and absolutely. now and now with a new eight-fight deal with the UFC, you know, basically what that means, I mean, far be it for me to tell you that you can't fight into your mid-50s, but what that may say is that you're probably going to finish your career with the UFC. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I would like to, you know. Yeah. Uh, right now, I'm very happy with the UFC. I mean, mm -hmm. let's be realistic. The UFC is still the, uh, they're the Windex the gold window standard. cleaner. You know what I mean? They're the gold standard. Yeah, of course. But it is what it yeah. is. Um, yeah. And so I want to be there fighting the best. I would never want to be a guy 
to go out there and compete in another league and dominate, like be the big fish in a small pond. Mm -hmm. I think that now people, and, and I've always said it, and again, I have an utmost respect for Fedor, Manenko, right? Yeah. I think he's a great fighter. The guy has been the number one legitimately phenomenal ground and pound. Those things that I do and watch, I've got from him. The ankle pass I like to do that I used on Bigfoot Silva, I got from watching him fight. Mm -hmm. You know, some of his patience and, and how he's able to stay calm in adversity. He's a great fighter. I'm not taking anything away from him. But I think now the big black mark on his career that's always going to be like, Every time a guy goes, I love Fedor, you know what? There's going to be that guy. He was never in the, the big show. He goes, yeah, but, you know, yep. he ran from the UFC. He did. Yeah. He always has. And you can justify, well, it's because he wants to get paid more money. Okay. Okay. I mean, yeah, you're right. That's a way of justifying it. But the fact is that he didn't step up to, it's like the guy that's, you know, the Pan-American champion, but he never entered the Olympics. Yeah. Never went to the World Championships. Like, well, you know, I, I won this year. It's like, yeah, but he never won the Olympics. You know, it's like. You stayed out of that competition. You went to a different uh, an avenue, and that's the thing. And, and it sucks because I think Fedor, I think would do very well in the UFC. Mm -hmm. I'm not one of those guys telling you that Fedor is running because he's scared. I think that he made decisions financially, making yeah. more money probably not being in the UFC. But I think it hurt his career. I think that he was is not as well known as he should be, and you know, and it's proven itself. He's fought here at, in, in, at the Thomas and Mack Center. Mm -hmm. He's fought here. You know, when Pride came here, they brought him here. Then he fought in California. I was there watching him fight. Didn't sell any yeah. of those out. The Affliction paid good money to have yeah. him out there. The pay-per-view buys on that Affliction show are still worse than I know everybody wants to talk about how the last uh, pay-per-view fight with uh, you know Dodson and Demetrius yeah. uh, Johnson was the lowest UFC's had since 04. That card still beat out the one that Fedor was on for Affliction. Yeah. That gives you an idea how the fans don't know who he is because he hasn't stepped into that arena. You know, and then when he does come over to the American market, he still doesn't jump into the premier show. He jumped into Strike Force. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, you know, it's a step closer. You're not fighting in Russia and Japan right now, but you're not fighting in the UFC. And so it just sucks for people like myself. I am a fan of Fedor. I don't want yeah. anybody to misconstrue the thought process here. I think the guy is phenomenal. He's helped out other fighters in the heavyweight division as far as uh, that our MMA fighters. We have taken and watched him do things, and he's impacted the world of MMA as far as from the fighting side mm -hmm. in a positive direction. He, you know, when he goes on and passes on, there he has left his mark in a positive uh, uh, direction for other mixed martial artists. And that says a lot. Any athlete, whether you're a baseball player or a football player, how much would you like to say, like, you know, you're a football Football player and you're a Howie Long. People do the swim move because I'm the first one that you know was really the patented. So now every time a defensive end does it, even if they do it better than me from now on and they make improvements on it, I was still the guy known for it. There are things that Fedor is known for that guess what? He was the first guy to really patent that down and and, and really do it well at a high level. And at the same time, he has all these greatness things about him that I'm like, man, Fedor is phenomenal. I applaud him. You know, and then it's like whenever somebody goes, Yeah, but he ran from the UFC. Here I am as a fan. I can't defend him. I can sit there and say the yes, problem, the money, but yeah. at the same time, I'm just like, yeah, the I problem, just shrugged my shoulders. The problem yeah. for Fedor's legacy, and the reports are that he is making about $2.5 million to go fight in Japan on New Year's Eve with this new promotion, is he's making the $2.5 million, like, like Frank just uh, said, but the problem is no organization outside the UFC has a two and a half million dollar opponent to offer him. You know, the uh, competition. There's just nobody no, out the there. The best of the best in the UFC. Yeah, I mean, they are. I mean, really, if you look at the top 10 on anybody's yeah. uh, format, 
90% of every weight class that's in yeah. the top 10 has a UFC contract that they're signed to. Yeah. So when you sit there and you go and you sit there and talk about how good a guy is, it's like, well, you know, that guy's three and two, but he's three and two in the UFC where another guy goes, yeah, I'm five and oh. I'm like, yeah, but you're five and oh in blank. Yeah. You know, I don't want to insult other organizations. I'm just like, no one's going to respect it to the same level. They're going to respect you in, even with, uh, I, I, and I have firsthand knowledge of seeing that when I watched, I used to be the commentator for the WEC, right? Yeah. So here, WC still under the same parent company, you know, still Azufa, owned by Zufa, yeah. Right, but they're more specialized in the lower weight classes mm -hmm. before the UFC adopted mm -hmm. them. But they still had certain weight classes that overlapped each other. Chael Sonnen was right. fighting as a middleweight over right. there. Right, yeah. the middleweight, you know, champion. Carlos for Condit us. was fighting that as was a welterweight. Yeah. Up. Here you have Carlos Condit, Donald Cerrone, yep. who are top level fighters that now have since they went to the UFC. No one doubts that Donald Cerrone is not a pound, you know, mm -hmm. a top you know, level prospect in his weight class. And, you know, possibly could be the champ in his next fight. He's vying for the title. He is an elite fighter. You know, Carlos Condit, no one's going to deny that this guy at welterweight is not an animal. But when they, Carlos Condit was the champion of the WEC, anytime, and I'm sitting there listening to people talk, go, yeah, but if you went to the UFC, you get murdered. And I'm like, wow, that's the champ. He's getting no respect. And you know how he got his respect? You know how Carlos Condit and Donald Cerrone now are respected to the level of Benson Henderson, how they're respected? Mm -hmm. They went to the UFC and dominated people. Yep. Benson Henderson went through and became the UFC lightweight champion. But when he was the lightweight champ of the uh, WEC, no one thought he was a top five guy. Like, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah, but he's doing okay in the WEC. It's like, mm. and now the guy goes over and takes the dive, mm -hmm. takes, dives into the, the UFC weight class, becomes a champ and earns all the respect in the world. That's how it happened with him, and unfortunately with Fedor, we're never going to know. So let's do this. Uh, we, I think Frank has another keg to tap or something, so we've got to go back, back into Hofbrau. But we still have more show for you. As I said, uh, I talked to Frankie Edgar, the former UFC lightweight champion, who's got a very big fight coming up with uh, Chad Mendez. Uh, it's a featherweight uh, title contender eliminator in December. And then I also had lunch with Paige Van Zant yesterday, and I recorded that whole conversation. So we're going to play that on Which the show. By seeing James eyes you might get choked for not inviting them i know well i know i've got at least one download from james james is downloading the interview on his phone we yeah, see the right now he was clicking yeah. on i'm like oh, yeah right, cool. we got one guy at least. <laughs> yeah and uh but here's the thing we do before frank uh we we go back inside we do want to explain to everybody first of all thanks for subscribing to the podcast absolutely it, it is available on itunes it is also available uh on the android format however you want to listen to it if you go to phoneboothfighting.com the most important thing you can do for us though at this point is tell a friend give it a five-star rating in the uh, iTunes store and just pass it along to a friend. Tell them about it. Let everybody know that Frank Mir and Ricky Lindell and myself, Richard Hunter, and the whole cast of characters, the traveling circus that follows uh, Frank Mir around, is uh, all doing a podcast now, and it's called Stimulate Phone Booth Fighting. Yes, it is. A case exactly in point. what my goal is with it, just that I don't want everybody to agree with me. I don't think that's necessarily correct. I don't agree mm -hmm. with myself sometimes the next day. Mm -hmm. But if I can get you guys talking and stimulating thought process and getting your brains to go ahead and work and come up with different ideas and justify why you don't agree with me as long as it's articulated and based on facts and you have something to go on that's what i love to do i mean that's a dinner conversation that i could die for you know that's exactly going back and forth you know like hey that's exactly what we're going to be doing, and we're going to bring you a new episode each and every week. So, again, thank you to our sponsors, Trent Cotney at TrentCotney.com and Real Water. Get real at DrinkRealWater.com. Coming up next, my interview with uh, The Answer, Frankie Edgar, followed by the audio from my lunch with Paige Van Zant. More phone booth fighting coming up next. Keep it here. We're talking UFC with the former 
UFC lightweight champion, maybe soon to be UFC featherweight champion before this thing's all uh, said and done. It's Frankie, the answer, Edgar. Frankie, good to talk to you again, man. How are you? Yeah, good, man. How you been? Great, and uh, very excited for uh, what's uh, what what is officially going on sale this Friday, which is uh, tickets to the Ultimate Fighter 22 live finale here in Las Vegas. How does that affect you? Well, Frankie Edgar is going to be headlining that card, taking on Chad Mendez and a very important featherweight uh, title contender eliminator. So l- let's start there, Frankie. The the, the circumstances surrounding uh, th- this date are very interesting and impactful for your career because uh, you're going to fight on a Friday night and the very next night, Jose Aldo and Conor McGregor are going to fight for that featherweight title. You're right there in that mix. I mean, uh, that's got to be a pretty unusual circumstance for you where you've got a fight that, that obviously is directly important to your career one night. And then the very next night, you're not even going to have to wait to find out who the next champion is. Uh, you could very well uh, be getting that next title shot. I mean, that's, that's going to be a pretty important weekend to your career, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You know, lots on the line. Um, uh, a lot of opportunity out there, and I got to make sure I make the best of it. Uh, I do believe if I uh, take care of business uh, on December 11th, like, like I, I, know, I know I can, um, that title shall be mine, you know, regardless who has it, Aldo or McGregor. These tickets are going on sale this Friday, uh, 10 a.m. Pacific, uh, Ticketmaster outlets uh, everywhere. And uh, another cool thing about this card, Frankie, is that it's going to be at the Chelsea, uh, which is a small venue inside the Cosmopolitan. So the next night, which is uh, arguably one of the, the biggest uh, pay-per-views in UFC history with Aldo and McGregor, that's going to be a big event. But the night before, a much more intimate affair where people can watch uh, yourself and Chad Mendez. For anybody who's never been to an Ultimate Fighter Live finale before, and I, I, I know you, you've probably been to one or two, it's kind of I kind of draw the analogy, Frankie, of like you know where you, you, your favorite band is playing in in big giant uh, stadiums or arenas or something, but then for some reason you're getting to see them in a kind of a small club venue. This is one of those situations where it's like not only are the seats uh, more affordable, but every seat in the house is is a really good one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's not a bad seat in the house. I've never fought in Chelsea, but I fought in like uh, venues like that uh, at the Palms and. Uh, it, 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 like you said, it's intimate, man. You definitely feel a part of it. Uh, no, no bad seed. It's, it's a good night for the fans. So, you know, a lot of people thought uh, you should have already gotten uh, the, this title shot. A lot of people thought that uh, you should have been the replacement opponent uh, to take on Jose, uh, or rather uh, Conor McGregor when Jose Aldo uh, got injured a few months ago. Nonetheless, that nod was given to Chad Mendez, and uh, it was McGregor who then defeated Mendez. Now, obviously, it's got to be in the back of your mind that if uh, you know you're planning on taking on Mendez, but if Aldo were to get injured again, or for that matter, something were to happen to Conor McGregor, that here you and Chad are, are, are perched perfectly to just uh, uh, step in that next night if they needed to fill in opponents, and Chad just got that title shot, it seemed like it would have to, to go to you. I know you don't want that sort of thing to distract you, but that we've seen it happen before, so that's got to kind of be in the back of your mind, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's there. I was told that, you know, I'm, I'm definitely the guy. If, uh, if one of them get hurt, um, you know, it just kind of works out. I'm playing the night before. I'll, I'll be ready. And, 
and prepared. But, uh, you know, I'm not banking on it. I mean, Chad is definitely uh, going to be a very, very tough fight. So I'm concentrating on him. But, you know, if, if it does go down, I mean, I was willing to step in last time on 15 days notice. So, you you know, for sure I'll, I'll be ready to step in if, 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 if the call comes. You know, you guys, uh, the, the, the four of you, uh, McGregor, Aldo, uh, Edgar, and Mendez, you remind me of, of a time in, in boxing some years back where we had, uh, uh, you know, right atop uh, uh, the, the sport, you had, uh, you had Marco Antonio Barrera, you had Eric Morales, you had Juan Manuel Marquez and Manny Pacquiao, guys who were all fighting each other, kind of mixing and matching these, these four kings of, of the lighter weight divisions. And it seems to me that that's a similar time right now in the UFC because it's like mixing and matching you four guys. You you can't get a bad matchup. You can't get a fight that's not considered uh, very compelling. You, you think that's a that's a fair analogy right now? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think uh, we're all at the top of the game. You know, um, and uh, we're it's just a good thing about the UFC. They really don't stay away from each other. The best guys clash at the top. And kind of do a good job putting those fights on, and that's what we do here, you know. And you know, having Connor here, kind of, kind of selling it all helps helps a little bit too. Are you watching the uh, current Ultimate Fighter season between uh, uh, between Uriah Faber and Connor McGregor coaching against each other? Honestly, I'm not. Um, I have a tape. I just haven't I got around to it, man. It's been crazy in the Edgar household. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got you got a reality show going on there uh, in, in your own household. Uh, I I, th- I think right. We got we got a couple of th- three young ones. Yeah. Keeping you yeah, good. three young kids and crazy dog and a, you know nutty wife. You know what I mean? So <laughs> we we stay busy here. Totally. Now, you know, let's talk about this matchup, though, you and Chad Mendez, because I think for a lot of us in MMA media, we were even more excited when when we heard that there was a possibility of uh, of of McGregor facing either yourself or Chad Mendez because of the wrestling experience that this this might be even a stiffer test for for uh, Conor McGregor. And I think even though McGregor got past Mendez, a lot of people were saying, OK, if, if that was a challenge, though, wait till Frankie Edgar gets in there, because then we've got wrestling on top of speed that uh, th- that you bring. Um, but but here you are facing Mendez, who who also has a wrestling background, but who's got big power in his hands. I think that's part of what makes this matchup so compelling. Now I'm talking about a lot of the similarities between uh, the two of you. What do you think will be the real difference maker uh, that that that'll bring you out on top of Chad Mendez on December 10th or December the 11th? Yeah, you know I think me and Chad match up pretty well. We both kind of that wrestling background. Um... You know, he's got some, some good power in his hands, where I think I'm more of a volume guy. But, uh, yeah, I just think that uh, my seamless – you know, I, I transition pretty seamlessly, and I think that's going to be the biggest thing. Who could who could mix it up the best? You know, I mean, you know, we're wrestlers that throw punches, but, you know, it's MMA. you got to be able to do a little bit of everything, and I think that's just a little bit of everything better. This card is so deep, too, Frankie. I mean, you and Chad main eventing this thing – 
Tony Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov. This is another one I'm excited uh, uh, for. I love uh, watching El Kukai uh, in, in uh, any fight he's in, and Khabib Nurmagomedov has been out for some time, so it's going to be great to see him return to the lightweight division. Also, Evan Dunham and Joe Lozon. I mean, this is one of these cards that, you know, I call it three deep. I mean, you know, you're going to have to go three fights deep into this thing uh, but before the, uh, a lot of fans are even going to have to start looking up who's fighting, they're going to already know these names. So, uh, I mean, th this in particular seems like a pretty rich card, doesn't it? Yeah, especially for, uh, you know, Friday night, ultimate fighter finale card. I think they're stacking it. They're making this weekend just a very big weekend. So, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun card for sure. Yeah, fantastic opportunity. Three nights straight, actually, for fans to see fights. Uh, the night before is going to be a uh, a fight pass card, also at the Chelsea at the Cosmopolitan. Tickets for both of these cards, December 10th and then the December 11th Ultimate Fighter live finale card that Frankie and Chad Mendez will be headlining. Those go on sale this Friday at Ticketmaster.com. And, of course, the next night is uh, the big uh, UFC pay-per-view card. Frankie, uh, as always, man, appreciate the time. Can't wait to see you back uh, in there in action and uh it looks like things are setting up to be a really big uh two th end of 2015 into 2016 for you so look forward to the next opportunity and uh good luck in there against chad we appreciate the time you got it man thanks for having me welcome back to phone booth fighting brought to you by trentcotney.com hashtag support the fighters at trentcotney on twitter and also real water Get real at drinkrealwater.com, keeping you hydrated and bringing you some fantastic amateur mixed martial arts every couple of months as well. If uh, you live here in the Las Vegas area, check out Real Mixed Martial Arts anytime you see them promoting a fight card. It's uh, actually the Real Water company behind all that that uh, creates a fantastic platform for uh, amateur fighters here in the Las Vegas area. So uh, you've already heard from uh, Frankie Edgar, the former lightweight champion of the world, join me in the last segment. And now I'm going to play you some audio from my lunch yesterday that just happened to include Paige Van Zandt. That's right, 12-gauge. Uh, easily the biggest star going right now in uh, the women's strawweight division. I dare I say even bigger than the champion, Joanna Jacek. I, I think uh, she's probably more recognized, at least domestically, Paige Van Zandt is, and I don't think there's anybody that doubts that we're going to be seeing Paige Van Zandt in an eventual title shot situation against Joanna. But first, she's going to have to get past Joanne Calderwood. Uh, Joanne Calderwood is the Scottish lady who was uh, a, a cast member on The Ultimate Fighter during the women's strawweight season. If you remember, uh, quite famously now, Paige Van Zandt was unable to be a part of The Ultimate Fighter show because she was too young. She was underage. They have alcohol in that house, and uh, they couldn't have her not being 21 uh, in the house. So she went ahead and got uh, signed straight to the UFC after the reality show. And uh, you'll hear me talk about that over our lunch. The UFC was kind enough to invite me along for a little media gathering because the tickets for her uh, fight night card which is going to be seen on UFC's Fight Pass, goes down uh, December 10th at the Cosmopolitan Casino here in Las Vegas inside the Chelsea. Tickets available for that right now at Ticketmaster.com if you'd like to join us live. But uh, Paige Van Zandt and I uh, met up over some lunch, and here's the audio of what we discussed. 
Hey, you've accomplished a lot of things in a, in a short period of time. Do you think in terms of individual goals, obviously you'd like a title shot in the future, but you know, you've, you've, uh, you've stopped an opponent, you've submitted an opponent, now you're headlining a card. Are there goals short of a title shot that are on your mind? You know, I don't, I mean, maybe I should have more small short-term goals or something like that, but I just look at beating my next opponent. I just want to be successful. So whatever opportunities are presented towards for me and there's something that I, I want to do, I put 100% into it. So I, I, want to, I just want to be successful and I, I'm hoping that this opens other doors for other opportunities for me to be successful. And um, I don't think I've reached my potential in fighting or in any career that I, I plan to take interest in. Joanne Calderwood was part of uh, the Ultimate Fighter. That was, of course, the season you could have been a part mm -hmm. of if, uh, if you, you were uh, of age. It, I know you, you probably watched the season. Mm -hmm. Were you particularly familiar with Joanne? Is she somebody that you've been able to see a lot of at this point? You know, I, I have watched her. I did watch her fights on the Ultimate Fighter. Um, before that, I didn't see too many of her fights. Um, but, you know, I, I know she lost to Rose um, in the house. So it's definitely something I look at. I look at how she's lost. I look at how she lost her last fight um, in the UFC. She lost one before. And then, um, you know, you look at those, but you, I also know that she has a lot of strengths, and I prepare for those as well. So um, I don't like to focus too much on her past fights. I definitely prepare for her style, and then I just focus on bettering myself. Speaking of her style, she's got a Muay Thai background. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like, in terms of that, that she's going to be the most proficient Muay Thai striker you face? Um, yeah, you would think so. I, I would say with her record, she should be the best striker I faced. Um, Felice Herrick also had a very extensive um, background in stand-up. She had boxing and Muay Thai experience. So, um, you know, I'm definitely preparing for that. I, I faced strikers before, and that hasn't affected me. You know, uh, obviously, uh, with you permanently being with Team Alpha Male now, you have given them something they haven't had in the past, which is a female face. Mm -hmm. I mean, people use the expression "Team Alpha Female" now, yeah. <laughs> uh, to talk about you. And uh, I, I know you were you were disconnected directly from the the Dwayne Ludwig controversy, but but he himself admits that he is not comfortable training women. So when you hear <laughs> something like that, are you kind of relieved in the back of your mind that all of that happened previously to you? Because obviously, if that were happening now, that would be a big issue. Yeah, you know, but I have, um, I guess in the long run, I, I'm thankful that he's out of the gym because Martin Campman stepped up. And I've had a great connection with Martin, and he's been with me for my last two fight camps, and he's going to be with me for my next one as well. So it was really beneficial having Martin in the gym, but I haven't had a lot of consistency with my fight camps. I've been at different gyms, different coaches, different training partners, and so I'm not too concerned necessarily. I, I definitely think with Team Alpha Male, I will have exactly what I need no matter what what is going on um, outside or inside of the gym. So uh, especially with Uriah, he's been really beneficial to my fight camps and he's obviously going to be a consistent factor at Team Alpha Male. Uh, obviously you've got uh, a great personality that's very easy to market. A lot of things have come your way because of it. You've got the Reebok deal and all mm -hmm. that. What, what, do you, what do you look like when you're in a bad mood? I don't I'm, think anyone's seen it's it. It's bad. It's is pretty it bad? bad, yeah. Is it very different than this? No, it is. Um, I definitely, I get angry. You have a bad my, mood face? Yes, my, my teammates have seen it, especially oh. when I cut weight, or like my, yeah, they've, they've seen it, and my parents have seen it, so this this gets bad. <laughs> you made a comment a little while ago about uh, your loss in the victim, mm -hmm. and saying that the difference is now you feel like you know what you're mm -hmm. doing. 
but you know, you're a pro fighter at that point. Was that one of those situations where you felt like you knew what you were doing then, but now in retrospect with everything you learned, you realize how much you didn't know, or did you No, I had no idea. Going into it, I had no idea what I was doing. I knew I had no idea what I was doing, and I didn't understand how big of a deal Invicta was at the time, because I was so new to the scene. I was just taking fights that like my local gym was offering me, and somehow I had, I was a 2-0 as, as a pro. And that was just me going in and winning fights because I'm really athletic. And I am, I'm skilled athletically, but I, I had no idea what I was doing as far as fighting. Um, and, and I knew that going into it, but of course I just, I like to win, so I, was gonna, I wasn't gonna back out of the fight no matter what. Um, but now I, I definitely know, I, I still have a lot to learn, but I, I, I am a real fighter now. Was there a moment, and I don't know if it was with Team Alpha Male, with Martin Campton, but was there a moment when you started getting that professional coaching that it dawned on you at that point maybe how much you didn't know? Yeah, it was the first class at Team Alpha Male. Um, I was used to, I mean, I did have a few really good technique classes when I was at the Lion's Den, which is Ken Shamrock's gym, but I was only there for a very short period of time before he took his gym overseas. So I, I was at just a local gym I had where all we did was spar, and that was it. And then all of a sudden I took, it was my first class at Team Alpha Male, and we had a technique class. And it was so new to me and so unreal that I was actually learning technique. And that's when I was like, wow, there's so much I don't know, and I, I knew I was going to learn it there. Is that where you got your, did you get your group up with Alpha Male, or was that previous Uh, You know, I don't really have a blue belt. I don't know where that came from. Yeah. You know it's um, out there, right? I mean, yes, it's, it's out there that I'm a blue, yeah. I would say technically I'm yeah. sure I'm a blue belt. Sure. Um, I've seen you fight. I'm good with saying you're a blue belt. Okay. Um, yeah. Why not? But like, no, I definitely, yeah. I, I think I've taken like two gi classes in yeah. my life. Um, I've done one jujitsu tournament in my whole life. I took second place, which is cool, but not legally a blue belt. <laughs> So that was Paige Van Zant. You also heard from Frankie Edgar earlier in the show. Uh, next week, Frank Mir, UFC heavyweight, uh, former heavyweight champion, will uh, be back with me as well as Ricky Lundell, uh, his head coach and coach to many UFC stars. We'll all do it again. In the meantime, check out the website, phoneboothfighting.com. Subscribe to the Phone Booth Fighting podcast in iTunes or just go to phoneboothfighting.com to find all the ways that you can get it. Follow me on social media, at Richard Hunter on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Frank Mir on Twitter and Instagram, at the Frank Mir, and Ricky Lundell is up there as well, Twitter and Instagram, at Ricky Lundell. I'm Richard Hunter. We'll see you next week for more Mixed Martial Arts Talk right here on Phone Booth Fighting. Everybody was Kung Fu fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. But they fought with expert timing. There were Funky China men from Funky Chinatown. They were chopping them up. They were chopping them